Welcome to Property Profits Podcast. My name is Bryce Kaminsky, filling in for Dave Dubow. And, you know, if you've ever wondered how to build a thriving real estate portfolio in a small town, uh, my guest today, Greg Eaton from Cranbrook, BC, has the answers. You know, with 19 years of slow and steady growth, learning from mistakes and his passion for community impact, Greg's story is one you don't want to miss. So we're going to explore his journey from Calgary to Cranbrook and his latest idea, his latest, um, you know, future plan here in the build to rent market. Welcome to the show, Greg. Thank you very much, Bryce. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Awesome. Awesome. So there's a lot to unpack here, but let's go right to the beginning and talk about, you know, usually this the origin story has something to do with an airport and a rich dad, poor dad book. But how did you get started? Yeah, there, there's some similarities there. Um, so I, I bought my first rental property in Calgary. I was born and raised in Calgary um, and uh, bought a little half duplex with an illegal suite in Calgary. And yeah. uh, I moved into the basement. And We like to use the word non-conforming. <laughs> non-conforming, sure. Yeah, we can use that term. And, uh, um, and at the time, I didn't know where that ball was going to roll and what it was going to do for me. But uh, all I knew is that the tenant was paying my mortgage. And that yeah. to me made sense at 24. Um, and then uh, I was working at the time fixing hot tubs and uh, just sort of doing the daily grind. And uh, uh, a year later, one of our hot tub uh, salesmen came up to me and he owned some rental properties. He's like, Greg, I got this rental property. It's a great place. You should buy it. And uh, mm -hmm. I said, well, you know, I just bought my first rent or first house. I make 20 bucks an hour. I can't buy another house. And I said, you know, talk to my mortgage broker and uh, just see what they can do. And and uh, so I did. And turns out this was a legitimate deal. Um, and they were able to pull out some equity out of this property that I just bought, roll yeah. it into the second deal. And, uh, you know, there I was. And uh, so I was 25 with uh, two properties and I guess it was four suites in total. And, uh, you know, I, I thought I was king of the world. And uh, yeah, you're a landlord at 25. Yeah, yeah. And uh, at that time, we're talking like 2005-ish, the market was hot, things were going up really quick. And I was just riding that wave. And I thought, boy, you know, this is just, I'm going to get filthy rich. Just yeah, I'm a genius. You know. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so then about 2007, uh, late 2006, I was like, you know, what? I, I want to move to the mountains and I want to ski, bike and buy houses. And uh, that's what I want to do for, for the rest of my life. And uh, so I started looking at different communities and ended up settling on this little community called Cranbrook, BC. Yeah. I liked uh, their economics and uh, it had the right balance for me. And uh, so I leveraged all the money I had and uh, bought a sixplex and a threeplex there and uh, didn't really think about cash flow or cap rates. I knew nothing about that stuff. Just I was going to get rich. The market's going to go up forever. I'm going to buy some stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then about 2007-ish, there started to be some crumblings in the wall and 2008 things started to drop and uh, um, and and I'm putting money into the sixplex every month. I'm losing, yeah. uh, the cash flow was negative. It uh, it was a, not a good deal. I didn't know it at the time. And, uh, and I was sort of stuck with this property for quite a while because I was in a bit of a negative equity position at that point too. And, uh, but I loved real estate. I was, I was passionate. I was excited about it. And so I was like, you know, I, I, I need to learn how to do this better. And uh, so I started taking some courses. I started reading the rich dad, poor dads and mm -hmm. uh, the Don Campbell books and yeah, listening to 
Yeah, the, all the podcasts that I could get my hands on, uh, including Dave's and uh, just, you know, absorbing whatever information I could. Started taking some courses through um, UBC and eventually got a diploma in urban land economics, uh, specializing yeah. in property development, just absorbing real estate. Um, and then with that, uh, that took several years. Uh, then I, I started, uh, I sold the sixplex and then just started building a smarter portfolio focusing on cash flow, focusing on value add, and, uh, you know, just on, on the small scale, a threeplex, a fourplex, uh, little deals here and there, and then managed to get a 16-unit mobile home park. Um, and uh, uh, and that was about at the point where I started connecting with a bunch of people and uh, getting a bit of a network. And, um, uh, and then I started partnering on a couple of deals. And that's where things sort of not leveled up a notch or two. And uh, um, I bought a, a 36 unit senior facility. Um, and uh, like that was a 55 plus or well, it's, it's plus an, sort of it's assisted living. And so we didn't okay, necessarily cool, yeah. need cap but it was it was designed for people with uh with limited abilities to live uh, independently um but the interesting thing is we bought this in 2019 right at the start of covid so we bought this was a renovated building beautiful place but it was empty and uh, that was the catch and so right at the start of covid we bought an empty seniors facility and right. It was the that right could go idea. two ways. I'm I'm interested to see because it could go two ways at this point. From that, it could either fill right up or stay completely empty. So what happened? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, right at the start of COVID, this is right when you know there people were dying in these facilities. There was no vaccine yet, and people mm -hmm. were afraid. And we had a heck of a time getting anybody to move into this place. We yeah. uh, we started with a hundred thousand dollar sort of reserve fund, and we were blasting through this reserve fund quickly placing maybe a tenant every month. And uh, this property was just sort of uh, eating us alive. And uh, so uh, my partner and I were 50-50 partners. Uh, we decided that to hedge our bets, we would list the property for sale. Meanwhile, we're just going to keep uh, grinding and we we pivoted, we started, we got away from some of that independent living model and uh, just had to, you know, do whatever we could to just fill some rooms and get some income yeah. from this place. And, uh, but at the end of the day, right as we're about, I think 30 out of the 36 units were full and we were starting to cash flow, um, an investor uh, approached us and wanted to buy our, the property and we had a good exit and uh, we actually, um, you know, made, uh, made pretty decent cash. Gosh, um, on, on the deal. And uh, I think we held it for just over a year. And mm -hmm. uh, we did have a vendor take back mortgage uh, for a couple of years, but we actually um, ended up just selling the property a bit of a, a flip wasn't uh, wasn't the plan. Yeah, the um, flip was that you, you got the people in, right? Yeah, empty, yeah. And empty, relatively worthless leased, like an apartment, you know, good, good leases, good tenants, we can move that. And, and we'd put in a management structure. Uh, we had a restaurant that was uh, catering the independent living side. And uh, so, you know, we'd certainly added some some value there. But uh, um, but I think we also realized that we don't know the independent living uh, uh, business need. model. Yeah, yeah. And so we got out of that and uh, and pretty happy we did. I'm sure the next uh, the, the buyer did incredibly well with it, but we made a few bucks. But uh, we also learned some pretty good lessons there, too. And uh, it was a, it was an interesting deal. It was the right deal. It was a heck of a deal, but it was the worst timing for it. And yeah, year, there's no way you could have projected that unless you had a crystal ball. Yeah, yeah. Well, 
Not totally true because uh, we actually had an accepted offer just as COVID was starting. And so we, just as COVID was getting going, we're like, well, is this- You could have exited. Yeah, yeah, the option to like lose your deposit or something like that. Like it was beyond conditions already or you still had conditions on it? We, before conditions were removed, um, we had chances to back out. And I think what we didn't look at is- the changing sort of risk profile of this deal and how it was evolving and that the deal was getting riskier and riskier as COVID became more of a, an issue. And we didn't maybe factor yeah. that into the deal. And uh, so, you know, at the end of the day, we did okay, but uh, yeah, definitely some lessons there. And, uh, you know, even just the operating of this facility, it's a niche that I know nothing about. Um, and and so now, you know, I'm trying to maybe just focus a bit more on on my core, what I'm good at, and uh, just pick a niche and stick with it. But at the same time, it's hard. We're, we're in a small community, Cranbrook's 20,000 people. And so when you see a good deal, um, it's probably not going to be in your exact niche you want to be in. So do you jump on a niche um, you know, deal because it's a good deal when you don't really know what you're doing? In hindsight, I, I don't think so anymore. I, I want to stay in my lane and focus on what I know. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because uh, if you know Ryan Carr out of Ontario, He's got a book out called The Highest and Best Used Playbook. And I asked him, you know, Ryan, what's your niche? And he said, agility and management. So it wasn't deals. It wasn't like I'm a single family guy or I'm an apartment guy. I'm a agility, adaptability, and management systems. That's my niche. And so it's interesting that you say that, that, that it's not always in your lane, Um what he did is he made his lane all lanes like he made his lane being good in any lane so um yeah definitely in the small markets you do have to like some places like a mining town are like a one trick pony it's like high high cash flow cheap house rentals like you know that but cranbrook's a different kind of animal um because it is a little bit diverse it's a little bigger too it's like a you know twenty thousand is not a small town but it's not a big town either it's approaching like the 30 40 thousand mark which makes it into maybe is there's a hospital in town yeah we've got a regional hospital we have a small college and uh so uh we're in sort of the kootenai mountain region so we're four hours from calgary and like six hours from Kelowna, and so we're stuck in sort of this no man's land uh in the mountains and uh so um you know it's a great little neck of the the woods here but uh yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's definitely um definitely challenges in the small town, but you can you can definitely pull it off. So what what is your business that you're focusing on uh right now? Sure. So uh the the other deal that uh, I purchased uh, five and a half years ago was a 28 unit um uh hotel. And uh, original business plan was just strictly monthly rentals. Uh the numbers were really good just to rent this place out by the month. But what we started to discover, this was right downtown, a beautiful old brick building. Uh, we needed a boutique downtown hotel. Mm-hmm. And so I started sort of playing around with that model, ended up basically going full hog into the uh, the boutique hotel business, which again is another niche that I know nothing about and is very complex. And uh, so I've been sort of knee deep in that project. Um, but uh, um, yeah, it's another one of those lessons where I don't love being an operator. That's not my expertise. I'm better at putting these deals together and mm-hmm. uh, and being creative, the development side of things. And 
being an operator to to me just sort of drags me down. Uh, the friend you're talking about in Ontario, um, his uh, ability to manage and uh, be agile, you know that uh, that's great for a certain mindset. For me, that that's not what I want to do. And uh, so we're looking at exiting out of this property, and uh, we see some some interesting niches in our community and in, in the Kootenai region. And uh, so we're looking at uh, focusing on some of those. Yeah, it seems like your 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 skill is uh, trend identification. You're you're looking at trends and you're seeing them, and you're like, okay, this is what's emerging. How can we get a piece of that action while it's, while it's happening? So, what do you see emerging, um, and how are you capitalizing on that? Sure. So the the monthly rentals, there's a shortage all across Canada of monthly mm-hmm. rentals. Everybody knows that. Uh, Cranbrook is, is just the same. And uh, we see it day in, day out, people calling me looking for monthly rentals. There just isn't enough. We can't grow as a city. We're not going to get over 20,000 population until we start building some more affordable, obtainable uh, type housing. And uh, so that's what I want to uh, start to focus on. And so we've uh, partnered with a builder locally, uh, purchased a piece of land, three acres in uh, in city limits. And uh, we're going down that rabbit hole of uh, creating uh, rental units, probably on the more affordable spectrum, probably through the CMHC MLI uh, select uh, program and uh, just mm-hmm. building some rental units. And, uh, you know, part of it is finding a niche and profiting in it. Um, but part of it is just making our community better. And, uh, um, and and that's one of the things I love about real estate is that we can, by fulfilling a niche, we can make money, but we also make our communities better. And uh, so I, I enjoy that aspect of it too. Uh, just seeing what can, uh, what does our community need and then trying to bring mm-hmm. it. Well, and that's interesting because I have this, this uh, investor friend. I said, what do you like to buy? And he said, nothing. I like to, what I buy is what people want. And so that's really been his business model that he's got had success in is that he doesn't um, he's not like buying on his own emotional, like, Oh, I'd love to build an apartment block. He's like, he'll only do that if that's what other people want to participate in. So it's really like, it's not really about us. It's about what the community does need and what is profitable. Like, you know, you, you can't sell watermelons in the winter time. Like you can sell them on a hot day. So don't don't invest in watermelons in January, but in 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 July you can make some money. So as far as um, capital is concerned, you talked about going into this assisted living building and this uh, boutique hotel. Um, those are likely not, you know, capital. Those are capital intensive projects. That's not a small chunk of change to get into either of those buildings. Um, what have you been doing to finance those and, and how do you plan to finance this apartment construction? Sure. So I think part of it is, um, I've always been living within my means and I, I live pretty modestly and, uh, um, and, and so I've been able to build up a bit of a nest egg and, and, and that helps sort of playing the monopoly game, buying the houses and eventually managed to get the hotel. Um, uh, we do have um, general partners, limited partners. And so obviously I'm a general partner in most of these deals. And then mm-hmm. often we'll be bringing in uh, a couple limited partners. Um, uh, at least we did in the hotel with uh, the seniors facility. It was just myself and uh, um, a friend of mine that were both generals, but uh, um, for the next deal, Deals. Yeah, we're looking at uh, either having somebody uh, on 
on the private equity side or maybe a private loan, uh, looking at those kind of scenarios, uh, especially when you look at building apartment buildings, very capital intensive and uh, um yeah, so that that's going to be the next step is uh, is finding some people that uh, um, share our vision and uh, and want to make some uh, a difference in the community and uh, looking for long term um, cash flow. the The interesting thing about build to rent, um, at least in our neighborhood, land isn't particularly expensive, and um, so we've got that working for us. Um, the actual build costs um, are, are similar to what they would be anywhere else, maybe a little bit higher just because uh, of some inefficiencies, but uh, because our land costs are so cheap, and, and actually the permitting process is usually pretty fast, often, um, you know, we, we can do pretty well, and uh, these, even with the higher interest rates, we're still seeing these properties um, um, cash flowing and being viable mm -hmm. here. Yeah, that's interesting because a lot of times in the metros, the land is, you know, you you all almost know that going in, you're going to be you're going to be upside down. Like you're going to be upside down for ten years or fifteen years just because the they're they know that they got that you know the farmer's selling off his land and he's it's not a deal. It's long. The deal has long sailed. But people are investing, institutions are investing in these places, knowing that it might be 10 years, it might be 15 years, but at some point, the appreciation will outpace the the kind of bad equity on the purchase. Um, whereas like in smaller towns, that's really where you're seeing affordable multifamily being constructed because, you know, there's not, I don't know how many people are like, I'm going to go buy some dirt in Cranbrook, you know, this is like you and 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 another guy maybe but um yeah that's great and we are having a housing shortage so the cmhc has really um stepped up in allowing us to finance some of those things whereas you know if you had to bring in all private capital and things like that like the, the program's there i don't think a lot of people know about it and maybe they don't want to participate in it but there are options out there as you said for people who want to like construct things and participate with cmhc's plan on affordable housing so that's great that you're taking advantage of that now uh as far as how far along you, you've got the the plans in the in the hand or you just have the dirt where are you guys at in that project right now this particular deal and we've got sort of three projects that are viable sort of in our pipeline but uh, this one's a, a bit of an odd property so again three acres and city limits um there's a 16 unit um uh, beautiful old brick building uh that just fallen into disrepair um so we actually got an accepted offer um and we removed conditions and we're supposed to get possession almost a year ago uh, so december 7th um 2022 we we're supposed to get possession of this property and there was a fire in the mm -hmm. 16 unit building it uh, essentially got condemned and uh, yeah. so now we're waiting for the insurance claim process to happen and we've been waiting for a year so we still have an accepted offer on this property um i think there's a real value add here from this insurance claim and um uh likely the insurance claim is going to be much more than what we're actually buying the property for and so mm -hmm. the potential to actually be getting this three acres and city limits for close to zero is is actually a very reasonable um 
outcome at this point. And so, yeah, you know, uh, that that's where we're sitting at. And uh, so we haven't started uh, the process of rezoning um, or doing any of that um, because we don't actually own the property, but um, we'll be going in with a cash offer. There's no mortgage on this uh, uh, property. And uh, so we'll secure it uh, with cash with, uh, uh, with a couple of uh, partners. And uh, then the, the plan is to rezone and, uh, uh, and start building some multifamily. And uh, so that's where we're at right now. So probably realistically, it's going to be at least six months to a year before there's shovels in the ground and at least six months to a year past that before we get occupancy. Mm -hmm. Cause yeah, those brick buildings, um, once they burn up the middle, like the, everything's wood apart from the outside. So it just turns into like a cannon of fire and, and that they go pretty quick. We, ha we have a lot of those uh, in the local market here that, especially when it gets cold and they're vacant and, you know, someone's hanging out in there and the next thing, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's burnt to, to the ground. So, yeah. um, yeah, I would say, you know, it's really interesting that there's a lot going on and you can make money in a small town, um, doing real estate. Cause you know, sometimes people don't think that, but the reality is that, you know, somebody's got to do it. Those houses didn't just you know, immaculately conceive themselves. They didn't get dropped from space. Some guy like yourself, like Greg here, built those houses. So what would you say to someone who's who's looking at investing in a small town or maybe is in a small town and is thinking, uh, I can't do it? Yeah, so I, I think the first thing to look at is the demographics and the metrics of that community. And and for me, I want to make sure it's not a one horse town. You, mm -hmm. you want to see some economic diversity. You want to see some stability. Uh, is this a growing community or is this a shrinking community? And uh, those are all important things. Step one uh, mm -hmm. that you should be looking at. And if you're in a shrinking community um, and maybe you love to live there, but maybe that's not the place to be building um, or investing in real estate. I'd probably look at other communities at that point. Um, the next step is if you're in a smaller community, really, you need to be focusing on your cash flow because you're not going to be getting uh, probably the same capital appreciation that you're going to be in the bigger cities. Mm -hmm. So look for cash flow. And uh, so right now where you're looking at, I, I'm not even sure what uh, typical cap rates would be in, uh, in say Calgary, uh, um, maybe in the four to 5% cap rate range. Yeah, maybe. At best, maybe like seven or eight, if you really got a great deal. But yeah, yeah. Whereas you, it's, it's a, a lot easier to find higher cap rate deals um, here. And uh, so, um, yeah, you know, your money should spit out more income. There should be better return on investment um, in the short term out here. And, uh, and, you know, as far as I'm concerned, it's that cash flow that's your safety net um, against uh, vacancies, against higher interest rates. Um, so uh, I, I love the cash flow. And so if you're going to invest in smaller communities, make sure it's, it's cash flowing because the appreciation might be slower to come. And so you want yeah, to focus on a metro, right? Because you don't have that immigration on scale like you do in a, in a big city like Calgary or Edmonton, something like that. So um yeah that that's fantastic uh, if if people want to reach out to you and they want to um you know learn more about your projects find out what you're what you're about and ultimately uh, possibly partner on some of your projects how do they do it where do they find you what should they do 
Yeah, so the best way, it's it's not hard to just Google me, Greg Eaton, and, and hunt me down. Uh, my website is gregeatonrealestate.com. And uh, so you can find me there and, uh, and just send me a message and uh, let's chat. And, uh, you know, maybe there's uh, some synergy there. Maybe there's something we could work on together. Maybe not. But, uh, yeah, just send me a message. Um, I love to chat real estate and uh, I can talk about this stuff all day long. So for people listening at home, Eaton, like the, the old store, E-A-T-O-N, gregeaton.com, you said? gregeatonrealestate.com. Cool. Perfect. So, um, yeah, that was amazing. I mean, there's, we, we, we interview a lot of people from the big cities and, uh, it's great to have, um, some perspective from the people who are still doing it in markets that aren't, aren't so obvious. I really appreciate your time, Greg. Yeah. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, no problem. And until next time, guys, we'll catch you on the next episode.